Hello and welcome to the Soccer Coach Weekly Podcast. I'm Steph Fairbairn. Thank you for joining us as we get insights and ideas from coaches working across the game to help you develop into the coach you want to be. In this episode, we speak to Sarah Loudon. Sarah grew up in the northeast of England where she played for her girlhood club, Newcastle United. At the age of 18, she moved to America to pursue college soccer. Coaching was always in her plans, though, and emailing almost every coach in the country led to her getting an in with Randy Waldrum at the Houston Dash. Since then, she's made it her business to get as much time under great leaders as possible, and now she's looking for the next step. I caught up with Sarah to talk about her rather unconventional route through coaching, whether she'd recommend it to others, and the value of seeing brilliant leadership in action. Sarah, welcome to the Soccer Coach Weekly Podcast. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for having us, Steph. I appreciate it. No worries. I want to start with a bit about your journey. Um, I think starting in both of our hometown, Newcastle. So kind of how you got involved in, in football and, and where you're at now. Can you tell us a bit about that? Oh, yeah. So we'll start from the very beginning. I'll, I'll not make it a long story. Um, not bore everybody. But um, I started playing football in the street with the boys, just like the majority of people, well, girls in Newcastle probably do. Um, and after school every day at three o'clock, that's where I'd go, was down to the field and basically play. And then from there, obviously couldn't play in um, elementary school or primary school, I guess you call it. Sound really American now. Um, but when I got to high school, there was a team, so played for the, the high school team, obviously. And then also played all sorts of other sports, probably like most British people do, hockey, uh, basketball, tennis, and um, had to pick eventually which sport I would wanted to play, you know, kind of. As you get older, you've got to kind of specialize, if you like, in terms of you can't be at five different practices every week. So I picked football. Um, and from there, I went to like a, an event for the different boroughs. I think it was Gateshead and City with obviously Newcastle, um, Sunderland. And from there, I basically was scouted to join Newcastle United uh, Women, which is obviously my hometown club. There was a couple of other teams as well. I think there was Bolden and Sunderland. And at the time, Bolden were really good. Um, but obviously, being from Newcastle, like you pick your girlhood club, if you like. And so that's how it all started, basically. Started playing for Newcastle and uh, from the age of 12, started on the U14s then progressed up to like the development team, the reserves and the first team. So um, was with the club until I was 18. And that's when I eventually went to America um, and the rest is history. So making that move to America what like what was that like what was was there a culture shock was there a change in the way they approach football what was it like for you uh it was a big culture shock but I think when you're 18 you're pretty fearless I think the age the, between the ages of 14 to 20 I was very fearless now I'm 32 and I feel like I'm scared to make moves sometimes but um yeah it was a culture shock I mean I went from Newcastle upon time to Mississippi which I mean talk about different cultures different worlds um but yeah, I mean, football is football at the end of the day, but I think there was like kind of, it was different because it was a very athletic conference that I was playing in, probably one of the most athletic conferences in college, um, if not the most, to be honest. Um, and so, yeah, it was, it was, the game was a lot quicker, whereas I was kind of, my, my speed of play was a little bit slower. So obviously that was a bit of a transition, but, you know, like I was kind of, when you're, when you, when you're wrapped up around with 30 players on your team and your teammates like they kind of just help you through everything and so that was kind of for me what got us through was my uh, teammates at the first institution that I was at and then I transferred later to a smaller division one college um, in Louisiana so again kind of a culture shock staying in the south 
And uh, yeah, so I had a great experience when I when I uh, played in college. It was definitely difficult. The first year was probably the hardest. Like anything, when you do something that's completely new and completely out there, it is, it is always a struggle, but I wouldn't change it. And then how did that playing develop into coaching? It was a natural progression for me to begin coaching. I was uh, obsessed with X's and O's from a very young age and man management. I love Bobby Robson, which I'm sure you obviously did too. And so... I was obviously a massive Newcastle United fan. You know, when you grow up in Newcastle, as you know, you don't have a choice in who you support. You kind of just read up around the game. And I remember the first time I went to a Newcastle United game, it was the FA Cup replay against Stevenage. And I want to say Shearer scored on the Gallagher end and I got hoisted in the air from my uncle and my shoe fell off and the crowd was just going absolutely mental. So we're trying to like wade through the crowd to find my shoe. But yeah, I fell in love with it. Um, And so, yeah, I think... You know, I played on championship manager for 10 hours a day when I was younger. I played FIFA. So I think just getting into coaching was a natural progression for me. I couldn't really see myself doing anything else. Um, I did go to university to be a physical education teacher. Um, but I knew ultimately, like, I wanted to coach. But that was just kind of the plan B, if you like. I was going to say, because I've, I've seen your list of qualifications. And like you just said the word obsessed. And I was like, yeah, Sarah is obsessed with football, like, bettering herself in any way like learning learning what she can about the game like is is that how it is and why is that so important to you I think I just have a thirst for knowledge um that's kind of the path that I've taken throughout coaching is trying to surround myself with great leaders um I think when I first got into coaching I didn't really know what I was doing um and then you realize like you know nothing and so I just I had this quest to kind of you know, obviously you're never going to know everything. If you do, if you think you know everything, you might as well retire right now. Um, but for me, it was just surround yourself with good people, people who can help you through challenging situations and help you navigate coaching. Coaching is always changing. I mean, coaching 10 years ago is very different to coaching now and coaching in 10 years time will be very different now. And you constantly have to evolve and reinvent yourself, if you like, especially in the collegiate game in America, um, because you get you know, players for four years and then they transition out and you know, your, your big job is between the ages of 22, age, ages of 18 to 22, sorry, is um, it's the, one of the most influential times of development, in my opinion. And so you get a lot of influence. And I think that's just just what I really enjoy about it. That's kind of the why that I'm in it is you get to help people and you get to meet them where they're at and help them develop into better people. And that's why I'm in the business of coaching. I'm going to come back to the influence bit in, in a minute, but can you just tell us a bit about like your coaching journey I guess and the roles you've been through and where you're at now yeah so um when I first began when I left finished playing I was a volunteer at the place that I played which was really difficult because a lot of those players on that team were my former teammates so there's obviously a bit of a it's tough right because now you're a coach and but they're also your friends so I knew after I finished with my master's degree that I needed to get out and get some new experiences so I think I emailed every college coach in the country which is like that's a lot like it's over 300 because it was division one division two division three and then NAIA schools um and so I think anyone that's probably still in coaching has received a lot of emails from me but um with the the challenge and situation for me and a lot of international students is is you know you get a year of OPT which is like it's called optional practical training so you get to basically have a year of employment and so the tough part about that is, is after you need a visa and you need somebody to help sponsor that so I took a job at a small NAIA school in West Texas. Um, it was in a place called Plainview and it kind of lived up to its name. It was very plain. Um, and I spent 10 months, 10 months there, a year, if you like, um, coaching. And that's when I realized I had a lot more to learn. 
From there, I actually emailed Randy Waldrum, who was the Houston Dash head coach at the time in the NWSL, which the league, I think, was in like year two, year three, something like that. And um, there wasn't a lot of resources that they had there. So I emailed and I just said, look, I would love to be like anything. Like I'll pick up cones, I'll fill up the water bottles, like anything I can do just to get some experience. And at this time, I think I was 25. I had no business being like involved in the pro leagues at that age and the experience that I had. I had no experience. And he said, yes, come on down. And obviously everybody wants to work at the highest level they can at the youngest age, right? I mean, it's kind of the dream. Um, and so I ended up, you know, kind of leaving the position at Wayland and moved into like a volunteer role, assistant coach role with the Houston Dash. From there, the assistant coach for the Dash was the goalkeeping coach. He was the head coach at Sam Houston State University. And so he needed somebody with an exercise science background and coaching background as an assistant. So I got a job, full-time Division One job. That was my first full-time Division One job in NCAA. So that was great. Um, he was also my D license instructor. So he kind of had a bit of a feel for who I was. And then I was there for two and a half years, two years with Sam Houston, two and a half with Dash. And I just felt like I'd gone as far as I could go and I needed some um, new experiences. And so from there, I had followed Florida, University of Florida for many years, mainly because of Abby Wambach, who we all know. And um, Becky Burley, who's also the head coach there, like obviously just had watched like lots of press releases and went on YouTube and kind of searched about who she was and um, a lot through social media, just kind of realized that my values of you know coaching philosophy and values of who she is kind of align with mine so just try to figure out any way I could to get in there um and so I reached out to her like numerous times which I didn't get a reply back which we still laugh about um and then eventually she did reply and we looked at all sorts we looked at being a janitor we looked at being a cafeteria worker and then eventually ended up going in as an equipment manager so basically the kit man um and did a lot more obviously roles than what the title suggests but I was there for four years and it was definitely the best four years of my career so far um just being able to kind of have a desk in a chair in her office and just kind of be in conversations and a set of tables that you're not really supposed to at that age and then from there she retired um well she kind of retired she ended up taking over the Orlando Pride so um we always joke about like the retirement of Florida we want it all back because you actually didn't retire um, and I needed, I wanted one more stop. So I figured I need one more stop of a leader that I can learn from before I kind of go off and either do it with somebody else at a high, a high level or um, become a head coach myself. I don't really know which route that will be yet. And so I went to Penn State University with Erica Dambach, who has been the head coach there for quite some time and is also an assistant coach with the full national team. So I spent the last six, seven months there and had a really good experience just you know Erica's knowledge of the game is just unbelievable and um, now I'm waiting for the next opportunity and wherever that may lie who knows. So I guess on that journey with all of these coaches and leaders like are there examples of things you think you've picked up from each of them I'm talking all the way back to like when you were at Newcastle that have made you into the coach that you are? Oh 100% I mean I think you pick and choose you pick the things you like and you leave the things behind that you don't like. And I think that's part of coaching. It's things that, but there's also things that work with team A might not work with team B. And I think that's the fun part of coaching is you get to experiment and, and figure out what that is every year. Again, in college and pro every year could be a different team. It is a different team. And I think that's what I was talking about, about having to reinvent yourself every year. Um, but I would say, yeah, definitely from the beginning, even when I was in college, I think I had the big division one experience and I had the smaller division one experience. And I think my experiences especially at college have shaped me into who I am because 
like I, I was saying earlier, like 18 to 22 is a very influential age. And um, I would like to basically take those experiences and mold. It's molded me who I am in order to give those like athletes I'm fortunate enough to coach like a really good college experience too. Um, so I would say, yeah, like you definitely, you definitely pick and choose and take the things you like. And at the end of the day, you can't, I can't be Erica Danbach. I can't be Becky Bailey. I can't be Randy Waldrum, right? I have to be Sarah Loudon. And, um, that's, you know, like I said, like you'll have to be authentic to who you are. Otherwise it's, the players will pick up on that. So like, I was going to say, who are you? That's a big question, isn't it? But like, you know, you said like, influencing players at that age and I'm guessing that means more than just on the football pitch that that's in life as well I guess like so how do you sum up who you are as a coach uh if I could sum it up I would say person over player um I want to coach the person and player second uh person first and I and I think if you do that like performances will come it's a bit of a long-term vision like obviously in coaching we all know that short term like you have to win and get results right but in the grand scheme of things I think for me like I'm a very long-term thinker hence the path I've taken um and so I would say yeah like I just person over player and empowering people to become who they are and find their potential like maybe maybe I can see it in them something that they can't see in themselves and I think that's your job as a coach is to do that well listening to your journey I was thinking a few things like one you said fearless at the start and I was like that is really fearless to to email like all these like coaches at a crazy level and just be like can I come and work work for you but obviously you know it really paid off like would you advise people to kind of just go for it I guess yeah I would I would advise but what I would say is it's not as easy as it, as it sounds um it, it you know in in any in coaching you know that you have to pay your dues right and especially in the college athletics world in America you have to pay your dues you have to start from the bottom and my path is, is obviously very unique. It's very unconventional. It isn't really a path that, um, if you look at the roles that I've taken, like volunteer coach, equipment manager, back to a volunteer coach, to an assistant, to a director of operations, I think it's very unconventional and it doesn't exist. So you have to be persistent and creative. Um, and so I, I would definitely recommend it. But what I would say is it's not easy. Um, when I was at Houston, I was driving two and a half hours to train and then two and a half hours back home some nights I, I, I'm kind of I'm not it's kind of weird to say this but there was a couple of nights I slept in my car you know like it's just it's one of them things where it's just it's a grind and you have to do the things that no one else is willing to do um and so it's it was the same same wherever I've been obviously there's things that you enjoy doing but there's also things you don't but you have to take you have to do both um but the experiences that I've had I know I'm prepared for the next position rather than just climbing the ladder and trying to get the the next title as fast as possible I think that's kind of, you know, sometimes you can skip steps when you do that, where you just climb the ladder as quick as you can. Whereas I've kind of taken this long unconventional route of trying to get prepared as possible, because as we know, there's a lot of females that get burned out in coaching and don't last. And um, I would like to try and be in it for the, it's, I would like to try and make a career out of this. Um, and so I'm trying to, trying to learn as much as I can and basically be ready for the next position. And yeah. Yeah, I'm always really interested in that burnout point because I think it's like it's across the levels, isn't it? It's if you're coaching at grassroots, you're taking on like a, a group of parents and you're taking on so much admin and you're taking on like you're not just coaching a football team. And then obviously the higher up you go, it's got all those different pressures with it. Are there some things that work for you in kind of trying to guard against that burnout? I think there's some one of the things that I really learned from Becky, which is still a work in progress, is understanding and coaching 
it's it, like if you take things personal, you're going to have a very short career. And so I remember at UF, she had a box of Q-tips on her desk. And so Q-tips stands for quit taking it personal. And so if anyone ever took anything personal in her office, she would get a Q-tip out and throw it at them. And so I think that's one of the things I would say to career longevity is if you do t- take things personal, you're just going to have no career. It's going to be so short. And I think that's that's the main thing. And I would say the other thing would be that I learned is reframing. A lot of times is being able to reframe your mindset. There's a lot of uncontrollables in coaching. Like you can't control the referees. You can't control the weather. You can't control how player X is going to play. You can control the subs and you can control your coaching points, but there's a lot of uncontrollables, especially when you're playing. And so just understanding that um, you can't control a lot of things and sometimes you have to have a little bit of luck on the way, but yeah, reframing your mindset and not taking things personal would be the two things I would say. And I know you've written a book as well. Do you want to tell us a bit about how that came about and and what the book is about? Yeah, it's a very short book. Um, It's called The Desk in a Chair, and it basically chronicles my four years at UF, working under Becky Burley. Um, And I would say it was just when she was, when she kind of told us that she was retiring, I was like, what do you get somebody that has everything? And so I had no idea. Like, I was like, do I get her a retirement mug? Like, happy retirement? Do I get her like a, you know, good luck? bracelet <laughs> I don't really know and so I was like what about like writing about all the like lessons I learned right and so she's kind of like this transformational leader in the in the collegiate athletics world and I was like I'm gonna write about like not nothing to do with football I'm just gonna write about the leadership lessons that I learned along the way and so I started writing and yeah eventually it turned into a, a very short book and um, I couldn't think of a better gift to give somebody, you know, kind of their impact that they had had on somebody else and the people around them. And so, yeah, that was, that was kind of the idea of that. And, um, when I start, when I eventually like finished or like was close to finishing writing it, I was like, maybe more people need to hear this. And so obviously shared it with our staff and then I shared it with kind of some close friends and I put it on Amazon as like a central location for people to access, but it's not really about like, I think every time I sell a copy on Amazon, I make like 70 cents. So it's not, it's not really about making money. It was just to have a central location for it to be on. But I think I've sent it out to over 300 coaches through Twitter um, and just hope it, even if it just reaches one or two people, like that's, that's great. I feel like, yeah, you don't do things by halves. If you wrote that as a gift for Becky, like you're taking everything to another level. Yeah. <laughs> took a lot of time, that's for sure. It took a lot of thought. And there's a lot of times at night when, cause obviously I wrote it when I, I could like come home from work like that was kind of me project and there's a lot of times I wanted to bang my head off a wall but um I have a lot of respect for writers like yourself because it is hard like it's not easy um and so yeah do you think though I mean so much of coaching is about communication do you think actually it was another way of kind of developing your communication skills totally totally I, I think so like there's a lot of times where you like read something and that doesn't sound right <laughs> And you're like, that's not what I actually meant. So if I, I would ask somebody to read it and if they didn't understand what I was trying to, to get at, then that's my fault for not explaining it properly. Do you know, know what I mean? Like if I'm, I'm telling a story and the moral, the, the, the way somebody interprets that story is not really what I inter- like what I really mean, then that means that I need to better write that, if that makes sense. Um, so, yeah, I would say definitely, definitely improve your communication from that standpoint. So it makes you, it makes you, uh, makes you question that like especially with your athletes like if I'm 
explaining an activity to a player and they don't understand like it's not I shouldn't get frustrated at the player because they don't understand I should get I should really self-reflect and realize that it's probably my teaching that is not clear and I know as well on Twitter you recently shared something about um your coaching portfolio and I know you've kind of pulled something together and I think I mean I find that found that really useful and I think it's something that's probably a really good exercise for people even if they aren't going for jobs just being like look this is what I've achieved this is what I've you know, this is who I am as a coach. I guess what was, how did you go about pulling yours together? Oh, it was a project. Um, I remember somebody messaged me and they're like, oh, I'm working on mine right now. And I'm like, good luck, because it took me a long time. <laughs> um, but yeah, during COVID, when everything shut down, like in 2020, like during March, I was like, this is something I really need to get done. Um, and I need to put some thoughts on paper. Instead of doing like a presentation on like game model, which Obviously, I have that too, but it's kind of like I need something that is a little bit beyond the X's and O's because for me, X's and O's are great, but it's all about people management and, you know, how you can inspire and influence people, which we've talked about. And so I was like, how can I best put this on paper to kind of showcase who I am, uh, not only to other people, but to me, to myself, basically. And so, yeah, it was it was a project like I worked on that for probably, I would say, two straight months trying to, you know, get some thoughts on paper and obviously get it made on photoshop and put the right pictures in and it's evolving like it's probably if i did it again it probably wouldn't look like that probably look a little bit different but that's coaching right like it's constantly constantly evolving with the new experiences that you get like there's some things on it where i'm like ah, i probably don't I probably don't need that in there i probably need this in there and so i think that's coaching is is uh is your your role was evolving and like i said i shared it on social media and didn't expect to get i mean it just went absolutely nuts i think it had like nineteen thousand views <laughs> Um, and a lot of people were saving the video and reaching out and asking for the portfolio and it's great like as long as people understand that's my portfolio and at the end of the day like you have to that's that you know you have to pick and pull and things you like and things that you don't and, and kind of put your own stamp on it final question then some people like this question some people hate it but what I guess what's the ultimate for you in coaching like where do you know where you want to go do you know what what maybe the next step might be and where it might lead you like what you know, I'm hoping you're going to say managing Newcastle United women when they're to- <laughs> top of the in the back in the WSL, will in the WSL for the first time at some point. But yeah, what does it look like for you? I mean, I would love a return home. There's no doubt. Um, I think it's really exciting what's happening with Newcastle back home. I think the new owners are doing a great job of being visible and um, interacting with the club. And so I would say, um, I don't. You know, if you asked me this question five years ago, I probably would have give you like an exact plan of how. I expect things to, to pan out in my career, which I've learned now, like you just can't, you can't do that. I mean, I wouldn't expect right now that I, um, I was in a gap in, in my career in terms of position or title or job, but I am. And the reason is, is just because there's nothing out there, particularly right now that I feel like is a fit for me. And so I'm going to remain patient like I always have in my career because it's always paid off. Um, but I would say as long as I'm somewhere where I'm able to learn I'm able to have an impact and I enjoy where I work um, and I work for a good administration or head coach could be either could be a head coach. I could be an assistant. I think I'll be happy. Um, and the main thing is, is again, like, can I learn, can I have the impact? You know, I think I did this um, exercise a few, well, I guess like a year ago now kind of putting values in order. And so I kind of write about it a little bit in the, in the ebook that I wrote. And so you know, writing all your values down and then basically reordering them. So is family more important than enjoying where you work, right? And then is 
enjoying where you work more important than location, right? And so you kind of put all your values in one place and you can really see when you go for positions or you're at a place of work, whether your values align with where you work, if that makes sense. And so that's something that I've spent a lot of time doing. And like I said, if I have those three things in place, I'll be pretty happy. That was the voice of Sarah Loudon. Thanks to Sarah for her time. And we can't wait to see where your career takes you next. And thanks to you for listening to the Soccer Coach Weekly podcast. For more from us, join us again next time or visit soccercoachweekly.net for practice plans, advice, interviews and much more. I'm Seth Fairburn. See you again soon.